shining a beacon on the bazaar. I'm here, kid. I, I, I've got the Luger with me, like you said. What, what's Luger, going on? Just put it in your waistband, mate, at the back. Hide it with your shirt. What do you want me to hide? It's what cool, it's cool. My arse it's alright, just don't, just stay cool. It's all in hand, it's alright. What's going it's on? Alright, okay, okay, I'll yeah, do this. Yeah. I've, got, I've well, got the... It's I've got coming, me. mate. What's a fucking speedboat oh, coming? Mate, it's Rico, man. Just stay cool, stay cool. Who's Rico? It's alright if I say, show the gun, show the gun, you know what I mean? Oh my look, god, this look is crazy. Serious, what I mean, what look fucking crazy, he's a bad man, you know what I mean? What's all right? Do I have to stop shit myself or something? No, look crazy. no, no, just let your eyes go wild. Oh, all right, okay, right. Yeah, that's it, that's it, yeah, baby. I'm a mad dog. Yeah, baby, yeah. He's coming all right, Stacey. Look that, look at Rico, Rico, my friend. Baby. How you doing, man? I'm good, Rico. Come on, pull up. Grizzly rope, grizzly rope. That's good, good, man, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Not too much, Adam. Not too much. Hey, have you got the merchandise, Rico? Yeah, man. I got the merchandise. You got the money? Of course I've got the money, my friend. This is a long-time deal, buddy. Long-time deal. <sighs> now, pass the merchandise, mate. Money first, Benny. Give me the Rico, this is not a flash in the pan, my friend. No, 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 calm down, calm down. Right, listen, listen. It's going to be a long time deal. We're going to see each other. We can be friends, Rico. We can be friends. But don't try fuck me, Rico. I've got a mad dog next to me. Steady, man, steady. Rico, Rico, it's cool, it's cool, my friend. Now, listen, you pass the merchandise, I pass the cash, or mad dog gets involved. Oh, fucking hell, baby, fucking dog. Okay, okay. Here, here, catch! You got it. Yeah, all the merchandise, man. All the merchandise. That's it. Don't move, Rico. He's a fucking killer, my friend. He's a killer. He'll shoot your balls, Rico. He will shoot your balls. Right, here's a cash. There's a cash. You see? We're cool, Rico. We're cool. Merchandise over. Okay, Benny. I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Ooh, and he's off. Jesus Christ, well what done. What the hell have you got involved with? Hey, it's alright, kids are going to cut it later. Kids will cut it up. Good. We don't have to get much involved in this. Come on, let's back to the lighthouse. Come on, quick, quick, quick. quick. Oh, great. oh God, I've got that door locked. I've got to put the Luger away in bloody kitchen drawer. <laughs> oh, we're in the money, my friend. What? Here we go. You What's... open it up. The merch. Got the merch. Jesus. Oh you did well. God. You're a little killer. Sure, sure. All your growls and that. Don't have to wear gloves or something. No, no, it's cool. This is it, Sam, mate. This is going to last us a month, my friend. Recon's going to be delivered. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. What the hell? Liquid is... cheese, my friend. My mission's over. You've I spent got... the last ten years looking for that. Pre... This is Rico's premium nacho cheddar cheese sauce. Mate, it's liquid cheese. Oh years ago, years ago, I went to Audience Cinema and I watched the Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. And halfway through, I pissed off, brought a load of beers and that. I went to the thing, I need popcorn or something. And then I saw all these nachos, you know what I mean? Yeah. They give me the nachos and the poured liquid cheese at the side and they give me oh, a load that's of jalapenos. Uh, and that were it. I've been looking for it ever since. So, um, Pete got me in touch with Rico. He's got a shop on Mainland, but he just likes to know the excitement what? of his speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? 
thing is with this, though, you got to, if you open it, we'll have nachos tonight. If you open it, you got to eat it in a week. You know what I mean? It's that's going on. Going a week? In a week. No, but that's where the kids come in. I'm gonna get the kids to cut it into little takeaway boxes. Get it in the freezer. I'll get them working for a change. Um, and yeah, gonna freeze the cheese. Freeze the cheese, baby. Liquid cheese, our kid. Rico's oh. liquid cheese. Well, this is a turn up for the books here. Isn't it? Oh, what are you on about? What did you think it was? <laughs> I've no bloody idea what you're getting involved with. <laughs> <laughs> baby, the search is over. Oh God! Well, that's something to be enjoyed down at Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt, and I'm Benny. And today we're going to be casting out to get some weird stories, something that possibly might even be weirder than a, a massive tin of liquid cheese. It's three kilograms. It's <laughs> three kilo, baby. Three kilo. It's a painting. It's exactly the same dimensions as a painting. I'm going to have to get a photograph of this on on, on our Instagrams and stuff like that. <laughs> Well, luckily, it's a bit of a rainy day here at Crack and Cove now, so it's like we're going to go and get settled in, we're going to do a bit of casting. Because it's, it's an important one, it's our 50th episode. No way, 50, half a century. Half a century of Crack and Cove, wow, so this is we wonderful. Got there. Oh, so, it's a celebration. Well, I'm not going to celebrate with a pint of cheese, am I? <laughs> you really need to taste it with nachos, my friend. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Let's get casting. Aye. What a palaver. <laughs> so, but the thing is, you see, there, you had to do a bit of a mad dog impression there, didn't I? You're you know, good, you know, mate. Growly. What's scarier than a mad dog? Uh, mad cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible at cats when they get mad. How about a mad pig? Ooh, what a boar or a proper pig? Well, let's find out. Ooh, what, the rain's coming oh, down now. Coming down, down, isn't it? So this is a story that's just come out, right? It's from Matt Dupoy of the, um, of the Register. And it's saying radioactive hybrid terror pigs have made themselves a home in Fukushima's exclusion zone. Wow, so that's a Japanese where the uh, meltdown happened in that's Japan. That's exactly right, you know God. what I mean? Did you say that big in terror what? <laughs> radioactive hybrid terror pigs have made themselves a home. <laughs> terror pigs? Terror pigs, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, you see, the, what we're thinking now, it's 10 years since that happened now, do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. For those who aren't quite aware of it, it's like in 2000 and, uh, 2011, uh, there was like a big earthquake and tsunami, wasn't there? That yeah, sort of yeah. like took place. And the tsunami, as it came into Fukushima, the nuclear power plant there, totally overwhelmed the power plant. Mm. It overheated and blew up, spreading radiation all over the shop, right? And um, as a result, there's massive exclusion zone in that area, yeah, just yeah. the same as it was for um, Chernobyl, you know? Yeah. It's that same situation as that, right? It's funny they weren't prepared for it, though. See, I think... Uh, Tsunami is a Japanese word. Isn't yeah, it? that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Losing the name there. Well, the thing is, is, you can be ready for something, but you can't. You can't always be fully hundred percent ready because they did actually have a barrier. Oh, they right. had a tsunami barrier, yeah. but it was something like about three meter tall barrier, yeah. and it was a four meter tall wave. Wow! So that's yeah, the sort of thing that's all there. Yeah, it just kicks your ass, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it just didn't work. So, but as a result of that, you see, this has come about. Terror yeah. pigs. <laughs> so scientists have uncovered a new threat to humanity emerging in the area surrounding the former Fukushima nuclear power plant. Indestructible radioactive hybrid terror pigs. Indestructible? Well, <laughs> let's follow on. M60. <laughs> 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 
The details emerge from studies of how radiation from the par partial nuclear meltdown of the plant in 2011 had affected local wildlife, which has in many cases rewilded urban areas vacated years ago by populations forced to move out by the threat of radiation following the disaster. And this is a familiar process following a large-scale human evacuations and similar rewilding situations occurred in the area surrounding Chernobyl, mm -hmm. right, in yeah, 1986, you know? Bizarre, yeah. And it's even despite the efforts of the Soviet authorities to control the animal population, because it just got out of hand. Those areas now are thinking, you know, well, we might want to go back, how can we do it? Because it's full of wolves and bears and deer and all <laughs> yeah. sorts of stuff, you to know? Repopulate. Yeah. Yeah. So the NBC suited boffins, I don't know what, uh, I think it must be like a biohazard suit, must be an NBC suit, you know. Sounds about right. So yeah, but biohazard suited boffins working on the project were expecting to find wild boar in the affected zone, since they had been reporting the former urban areas for some years, having come down from the surrounding mountains to reclaim the towns and cities of the area <laughs> as their own realm, almost as soon as the humans vacated them. Wow. So as soon as it's quite a the end of bars of the However, the scientists were not prepared for the true prospect that awaited them, as related in the report in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B Journal. So the local wild boar, a subspecies endemic to the region known as the Japanese boar, aka Sus scrofa leucomystax, or otherwise known as the white moustached pig. Aww, <laughs> cute! Having created a fiefdom covering all of the locale vacated by 160,000 displaced humans, the pigs have become cocky and aggressive and have lost their natural wariness. Oh, I love it. It's a proper out with little white moustaches. Little white moustaches. I mean, the pop Yeah, buddy. that's it. But because uh, these, the generation now, because obviously the lifespan of a pig will be a few years really compared to it, won't be ages. It yeah. won't be remembering humans. Yeah. All they'll remember is this is our zone, this is our turf. Yeah, our and, territory. And what even seen humans. Wow. Because they've been not been in that area. So yeah. as far as they're concerned, they're, you know, they're top dog. Yeah, big yeah. cheese, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> so the marauding boar also began interbreeding with escaped domestic pigs Wow! that had made good with their trotters from local farms <laughs> after the human keepers had been forced to flee. Trotters. <laughs> <laughs> but the pigs, for their part, were ill-suited to life in the wild in radioactive post-apocalyptic hellscape and presumably <laughs> threw in their lot with the tough, wily boars. Wow. Right? As their only chance. Planet of Apes? It is, it is something <laughs> else. You know? the pigs? So the result was a new kind of boar-pig hybrid that originated in the initial exclusion zone within 20 kilometres of the site of the nuclear plant, where radiation levels were presumably at their highest. So these uh, have been bombarded with radiation of these pigs, right? But the study found that the hybrid did not display any sign of mutation despite the doses of radiation they were subjected to. Uh, so what would normally kill, it'd, it'd yeah, kill us, that, yeah, but yeah. the pigs, nah, they're just wow, shaking it so off. Hard for and it's like they, um, the, the local area is contaminated by, contaminated by up to th 300 times the safe dosage of the lethal isotope cesium-137, oh. right? So in other words, they are highly radioactive and seemingly virtually indestructible. And the new hybrids compromise 10% of the local population of boars and pigs and things, you know? And um, they seem to be combining the wild smarts of their boar ancestors with an enjoyment for the finer things which human civilization can bring, inherited from their domestic forebears. What, cook and hookers? 
<laughs> but you never know, that might in the world just what's kicking off around there, you know what I mean? So, but the thing is as well, what, what's happening is it's, people want, they're wanting to actually go back now. People are wanting to go back. Is it yeah, safe? It's, it's not safe enough. But <laughs> it, it's one of, yeah, but this is the thing that always happens. It's like, in a place, I don't know if you know, like with Japan, it's extremely hard. Uh, it's got very high population levels, you know what yeah. I mean? There's lots and lots of people in Japan. But the areas where you can actually live in Japan are very few because oh. it's so mountainous. Right. So super steep slopes, and so this is why all the little towns and stuff become so vast yeah. because one area is they say, oh this is good for sort of living in, yeah. and they're just boom populated. With it's flat. It's you flat. Know what so I mean? that's it. So, so, they flat. Yeah, so yeah. The, this is the thing. So it's like you know the Japanese. So so sort of like real estate is at a premium. Yeah. They need areas which is suitable for human habitation. Wow, sometimes man. it might be a sort of payoff between a little bit of radiation <laughs> and cheap housing. And yeah, cheap housing. <laughs> that's sort of malarkey. You know. Grow another nose and. <laughs> But they've got to keep. They've got to monitor this all the time. They've got to keep up to it. So it's all. They're always going to be looking at yeah. sort of what they can do to sort of. What it's going to be initial go stages of going that's back. It, that's it. Yeah, so they are. They are doing tests. But they've gone along there to do the tests. And what happened? They're all getting knacked by these massive oh, pigs. And they're actually attacking them and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. A, a ball will attack you. You know. Oh. And it's like I've been. I've been in a situation where I nearly got attacked by a ball once. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Oh. What it was. We were in an area in the Sierra Nevada. Mountains in Spain, right? Lovely. And we were we were on like a little this like a little cottage which was on the side of a hillside, mm. and it was because it was was literally on the side of a hillside. You know, you went in through the front door on one side of the building, which was sort of level with the ground, mm. and by the time you got to the other side of the building, you were sort of basically hanging over a cliff. You were sort of because oh, it's super super wow. steep. So the balcony was sort of I don't know like four stories up really, yeah. but it would just look down onto the side of a mountain. But it was one night, and we'd heard there were sort of like boar hunters in the area, right? <laughs> so we'd, we'd heard sort of shots in the barking of dogs and things like that, yeah. like, you know. And then suddenly, while we were there, we were all having a little bit of a drink and stuff, and suddenly just heard this crashing in the trees of something. When I say massive, I mean massive, just piling wow. through the forest, right, at the front of the building. And I thought, oh shit. And so runs in out. Well, we couldn't. We, could, we couldn't. We weren't near the front door. We were on the balcony area. So right? I mean, the pig runs in. <laughs> well, what, what is the balcony went round the side of the building yeah. and just into the forest. Jesus. So the balcony was wide open. To the <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm walking to the end of this balcony towards this, this the forest bit, and suddenly yeah. the forest just explodes. Oh God! Right, and something massive just charges past. Something. Almost looked like level with my chest. It was yeah, immense. Yeah. Oh, no. That went piling past at high speed, right through the forest. Next foot, loads of dogs and hunters are coming after <laughs> it. Like what is it, night or dusk? Or this is at night. God, don't I mean? Yeah, no. it was mental. Absolutely wow. mental. You know what I mean? It was loads of fun. Oh, boar hunting at night. <laughs> yeah. but it, an old tusker turns on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I'll you know, The old hunt of it looks Yeah, cool. I don't know. I don't know. You see, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because the, 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 the old wily wild boar have a better life than most domesticated animals. Yeah, exactly. It'd be out there rooting, having loads of piglets, yeah, loads of and and snorting that. stuff out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, next thing you just get shot between the eyes and you got yourself a piggy. Yeah, I've tried it before, I've tried wild boar. Yeah, well, wild boar in that area is one of the uh, specialties. Is it, yeah. uh, it's the same as uh, Tuscany in, in uh, Italy as well. Oh. Uh, and there, it's just wild boar stew, it's everywhere. Is it, yeah. it's, it's lovely though. Oh, yeah. It's delicious. I love a bit of wild boar stew. <laughs> um, num, 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 num. <laughs> so that's it, but the thing is here, you see, these, these boar, you can't, you can't hunt and kill these because they're super radioactive. God. So you, you, know, you can't do that. You just, so what, do you, what are you going to do with all the piggies? 
throw them in a fire and shoot them all and throw them Whoa, in a fire. What? <laughs> <laughs> Did you smell them? It lovely. <laughs> Yeah, no, they've got, got themselves a bit of a porcine problem there, yeah, aren't they? You know, know. I don't know. It's, it's cruel to kill them all since they're having such a good time and they are like, you know, they found a yeah. home, aren't they? You know what I mean? But I, I think they should just let them be. Yeah. I think just let them be. Just say, I know they need the land, but they don't need it for a while because it's still radioactive. Yeah. Just let the pigs be. Yeah, let them have their fun for a few years. Yeah, that's what you need to do. You know, <laughs> for a few years. <laughs> to love fires. <laughs> Get after him with Luger. <laughs> Probably wouldn't do all though, would he? No, he wouldn't. No, that, yeah, that's I mean, a caliber thing. It wouldn't. No, yeah. you need a high-powered rifle there. <laughs> what kind? <laughs> I don't know enough about stuff like that. I'm only faking it. <laughs> press here literally hot as well right and it's it's a bit of a weird one it's not particularly 40 in this but there's something about it that just struck me as being a bit <laughs> odd which is this is a bbc news story right um and firefighters remain at the scene of a large fire at a coffin makers in strabane in county tyrone so 80 uh, 80 firefighters 10 fire engines and four special appliances were at the blaze at odoherty's on railway street there's so, a lot of wood with coffins, isn't there? Though? Well, that's so, the yeah. thing, you know what I mean? And, uh, I suppose as well with, what's his name, um, with cremations being a lot more popular these days. It's a bit <laughs> yeah. of irony to this. <laughs> <laughs> so West Tyrone MLA, I don't know what an MLA is, uh, Daniel McCrossan was nearby when he heard an explosion and said there had been a very loud lightning strike in the wider area. Wow. So there were thunderstorms in the area, but the cause of the fire has not been confirmed. So basically, what's happened? It looks like is that his lightning has struck a coffin makers and set the whole thing ablaze. Oh, that's biblical in a way. It just seems like there's something. Yeah, easy. You sort of think, oh, oh, there's something going down there. You know, I mean, nobody's hurt, nobody's injured. It's just the coffins. And to get a fire, you know, you don't really see it that much, do you? From like, I know you're doing the. Um, out, you know, the woods and stuff like that, but not in the city type of areas. You don't hear it much, do you? Anymore? No, you don't. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's like you know, what, with, with sort of like I, I don't think I've ever seen a proper lightning strike. Something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've sort of heard it and seen it nearby. Oh, lightning's in the ground, yeah. but I've not seen it sort of like whacking into like a tree and yeah. or a, 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 a pylon. No, or I've never like. seen it live. No, like, it's an impressive sight, though. Yeah, yeah. I, so I always thought about it when I was younger, and it sounds cruel, but it's just about science. So you do a bit of a Frankenstein, you get a kite and you got a wire string yeah. on it uh, and you get it up in the air and you get it flying and quickly tie it around a cow and run off. <laughs> 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 but imagine, it would work, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, it would. What a sight. <laughs> so don't film it, you know what I mean? Don't well, waste film it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Imagine oh, that. God almighty. I, I've seen it, I saw some footage as well. It's, it was, it's really quite tragic, actually, but it was um, it was an African football game. Yeah. And the, it was at a stadium, and this, uh, they had a metal handrail at the stadium, ran down to the grass, yeah, right? Yeah. And it had been raining, obviously, and the lightning hit this, 
this sort of like this this, this handrail, metal yeah. handrail, channeled down and went and touched the the pitch, and both teams just collapsed on the oh, floor. Wow. Everybody got electrocuted so straight away. So that power over that's a football pitch, football pitch can size. knock all them down. And I think a couple of people died. It was like Ooh. sort of thing, you know. It's, just oh, the power of lightning. Can't just, imagine it how powerful that is. No, you can't. It's absolutely mental, isn't it? And there's another thing I don't know if you saw recently that the, the uh, this film footage. I'll do a link to this as well. The reckon some of these reckons have actually filmed ball lightning. Oh, there. And oh wow. my god, it's super weird. It yeah. is super weird. It's basically like you can see this sort of like forest, yeah. and this massive writhing ball of blue plasma just going between the trees. It's just like Whoa, oh my wow. god. Really oh, odd. I'd love to see yeah, that. really, really weird. You yeah. know, so it's can't like, trust all the one video anymore. Yeah, I don't believe anything I see anymore. No, I must admit, I'm saying it's like all, with some of the UFO reports and everything. People mm. say, have you seen that? Some, some, some sort of UFO. Whereas all you have to do is look on Instagram and stuff like There's loads of this stuff that yeah. people just knock up. Look, look really good. Yeah. I suppose the only ones we. Well, can we trust them? The ones that have been released by the military? Or they're the least trustworthy ones? Mm, I see how it? Don't know, don't know. Mm-hmm. So well, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't know what's true or what's not. But you know, I think you just got to trust the instincts sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So you keep, know, keep but I think that ball lightning one was real. I'll, yeah. have to, I'll send a link to that one. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it'd be pretty yeah. good. So if you wanted to follow us on our uh, social media accounts, we're at Twitter, we're at Kraken Cove, and Instagram, we're at Kraken Cove Pod. Um, just type uh, Kraken Cove into Facebook, and you'll find links there and everything like that. And get in touch. T- tell mm. us all about it. If you want to get in touch by email, it's at Kraken Cove Podcast. At gmail.com. You Drop know. us a line. Drop us a line. Send us a film. Whatever you yeah. got. Something that's a bit weird. So it's, it's pretty cool, is that? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've. Um We've got the burning coffins. They're all pretty <laughs> rock and roll, pretty metal. Killer terror pigs. <laughs> yeah, and terror pigs. Wow. It's pretty good going. It is, isn't it? So far, so good. Maar ik zodraag wil komen, daar waar geen leed kan bestaan. Well, you had that big pot there of a cheesy sauce, didn't you? you know what oh, I mean? yes. Lovely big, lovely big pot of a... Um, I don't know if cheese. <laughs> cheese. Yeah, well, it's very cheesy. So there's something else that's quite cheesy here. Oh, well done. Saying. And this is a California woman's Flintstone house. Drew both ire and joy. And a legal settlement lets her keep the wacky lawn sculptures for good. So, what this is a story by Eileen Kinsella, right? I don't know who it's from actually. I think it was actually with the with the Guardian, but right. we'll see where this goes. So, a lengthy legal dispute between the Bay Area town of Hillsborough and the owner of a whimsical sculpture-filled property known as the Flintstone House has finally been settled. The town will pay Florence Fang, <laughs> the owner of the property. $125,000 while she's agreed to comply with the permit applications moving forward, the Guardian reports. Right. So basically what she's done is she's... I love this sort of stuff. They call it, a lot of it's called outsider art, right? Which yeah. is where people suddenly, without any artistic training or, or particular type, suddenly start making things. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time you'll do that. This is one thing if you go through like a council estate on the bus <laughs> and you'll suddenly see some mad old guy sort of yeah. front garden where there's like a million gnomes or something. Yeah, you know I've what seen I mean? those houses yeah. are really weird. Yeah, they start yeah. making these creations. That's outsider art, is uh, all that, right? Yeah. And this is what this woman's made. Shit, it's like Teletubby Land, isn't it? Yeah. What is that? So it's I like a big mad Flintstone house sort of it thing. It is, isn't it? It's like um, 
Among Us type of shaped looking <laughs> <laughs> thing. Oh, there's Barney Rubble. Oh, no, it's Fred Flintstone there. There's Betty. Oh, there's, uh, what's his name? That little one. Barney Rubble. Barney Rubble. God, that's bizarre. Isn't it? Is that her house or is that something she's built in I a think, garden? I think she started building it in front of a house on the lawn. So it's like people are coming past and seeing all this stuff just all piled up and it's like, what the hell's going on here, you know? <laughs> So the controversy dates back to 2019 when the town alleged that Fang, who was in her 80s and made a fortune in publishing, violated local codes by installing dinosaur sculptures throughout the property, prompting (laughs) officials to label it a public nuisance. And in 2019 interview and home tour with The Guardian, Fang said the inspiration for her landscaping and home design came while watching The Flintstones cartoon (laughs) on TV. Wow. And she just saw the first episode, you know, and she said, the first episode is with Fred and Dino, she told the paper. And I said, Dino should be here. Fred should be here. Wow. And that just set her off, right? So in addition to the set of letters that spell out Fred Flintstone's famous catchphrase, Yabba Dabba Do. (laughs) (laughs) She's crazy. Fang installed a sculpture of him, Wilma, Dino and Barney and Betty Rubble. (laughs) There's also 15 foot tall metal dinosaurs, an astronaut, a moon rover, a spaceship and the great Gazoo. The latter of which is the name of an alien that in the, in the series crashes to Earth. Actually, the Flintstones, an oh, alien right. visit, it's called the Great Gazoo, <laughs> which is just bonkers, Jesus, right? she really likes that cartoon. So Fang told the paper that she wanted to decorate her home with the past and the future combined in harmony, right? And she says of the dispute, I'm just a tired old lady. I just wanted my peaceful life. I'm a very, very regular retired old lady. But, of course, I'm a little different. I have all kinds of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so when Hillsborough sued Fang in 2019, after she, did, she did not comply with the numerous stop work orders mm-hmm. and an order to remove the sculptures, she fought back with a Good. lawsuit of her own. Good. And her attorney alleged that the town had violated Fang's constitutional right yeah. to fully enjoy her property. Yeah, yeah. And that the town had discriminated against Fang because of her Chinese heritage. Ah, lovely, yeah. claim that the town supervisors have vehemently denied. Well, they have. Yeah, of course they have, you know. So Mark Hudak, an attorney for for Hillsborough, did not immediately respond to a request for a comment, but he has previously said that the town prided itself on its rural, woodsy feel and told the Guardian that the rules are in place so neighbours don't have to look at your version of what you would like to have. And you don't like to have to look at theirs. Mm. Which is horseshit. You do what you want to do. That's your property. And you do with it what you wish. And those arsy town folks. I bet they have to drive out ten minutes to get there. And go, oh, look at oh, it. No, look that, that, that's it. what it'll be. It's not doing like opening the window and it's there. You know? no. And even if it was. It's their business, you know what I mean? It's their stuff. Well, it's, it's like this thing of trying to create this sort of like homey, woodsy feel to everything. Mm. It's like, well, you know, that's that's for an entire town. Why do you want a town to look one particular yeah. kind of way? And that's your dream. She might fucking hate that. You yeah, know that's mean? it. Just think she wants all Barney Rubble and, and Betty. Will <laughs> 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 be a Barney Rubble, yeah. <laughs> No, but I, I agree with that. It's her it's right to do it. I can also see the other side of the coin, though, because, like, if somebody sort of like started. I don't know. I don't know. You with their house did something mental with it, and you're thinking, "Oh God, look at that!" You know. I just won't look at it. Everything's so samey, isn't it? Even if it would like hurt your eyes, you know, like them people who do 
Christmas lights and all that. I'm just yeah. like the funny, you know what I mean? I kind of yeah, like them doing like it. You get on with it, yeah. sort of thing, you know what I mean? But again, we, I did live in a place where the next door neighbour liked to do the what's in you know the Confederate flag? Oh yeah, he used to like to fly the Confederate mm. flag, and that were really problematic yeah, for a good while. That's a little bit of a different thing, Nick. That's a bit of a, a bit of a racist flag. Yeah, it okay. is. Yeah, oh, he's a like, a, yeah, it's considered a racist flag. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Someone did a bit of fucking swastika and I'll stay fucking. Yeah, I might be getting a little bit like me. That is, that's going yeah, a that's bit far. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good answer. It's pretty. It's a nice pattern. <laughs> Mate, it's a swastika. Come on, it's an ancient symbol, man. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, again. You know I mean, oh Christ, on a bike. Yeah, yeah it is a bit. It's, it's strange, isn't it? You, you got to draw a line at something, I suppose. But with that, it's harmless, isn't it? And it's it's colourful and funny. I think it is. You know, it's, a, it's her artistic expression. I think yeah. she's got the right to sort of do what Definitely. she wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's batshit. <laughs> Yabba dabba doo. <laughs> <Met> <laughs> Bloody cheese! You're gonna uh, you're gonna be putting on a bit of weight here, right? okay, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a new device out that might help that stop that from happening. Yeah, stop my tum tum. Yeah, there's a new weight loss tool prevents the mouth from opening more than two millimeters wide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> That's, that's Victorian, is that, in it? You I know, know what I mean? Just put a big cage on your head or something. Well, I, th- I think, yeah, I don't think they'll do it to you. I think it's not like you wake up with one on. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I think you, you've obviously got a problem, you're just thinking, right, I need stopping, you yeah. know, stopping my tracks here, you know. So, this is the Dental Slim Diet Control Device, which uses magnets, but has been likened to a medieval torture device. Yeah. <laughs> And I put a picture of it up on the thing, I ain't got a picture here. Yeah. But it's all, it basically, what it is, it's a device that attaches to one of your teeth. Hmm. At the top and another tooth at the bottom, Jesus. and they're locked together, oh, right? God. So the weight loss device, what it does, it stops you opening your mouth wide enough to eat solid food. Uh, solid food, so it's, it's there to tackle obesity, you know. Yeah. And it's been developed by uh, professionals from the U- University of o- Otago in New Zealand and scientists from Leeds in the UK. So it's not too far away from us. And it can be fitted uh, by dentists and uses magnetic components with locking bolts. So people are saying it's. It, it can work, it can be pretty good, and, it, and there's been like a, te- a load of test subjects have had it, and they've lost averaging out about 6.3 kilos right. per person, which is about 5.1 of their body weight, percent of their body weight. So they've been losing some weight with it, as oh, some two tins of my cheese. <laughs> well, you'll be alright with your cheese because it's liquid. <laughs> so you yeah, get it anyway. in, yeah. But, I mean, I, I always think it's, one of, it's, it's non invasive, right? Because a lot of people. What they're finding with a lot of obesity is people think, oh God, no, let me just have some liposuction, let me have some surgery, yeah. get it sorted out, yeah. or a gastric band then thing. Bands, yeah. but, but what it is, you've got to be above a certain weight right. to qualify. So there's been cases of people putting on weight on purpose. Oh God, just to so get qualifying for that. Oh my God. So of course they're putting themselves in double danger because they're yeah. getting really heavy. But obviously, if you're operating on somebody who's really heavy as well, one of the hardest things to do is. Uh, uh, Working at anaesthetic right. because for the size of you, yeah, but yeah. of course then you've got a lot of strain on your heart as well. So there's an even higher chance it could kill you. So you do need something that's going to help people, you know, keep on the straight and narrow. You know, ah, I just can't manage. It feels like you pull a fucking pull my tooth out with that. You know what I mean? One of them will just come pour out. You know. But one one thing that I find amusing, what amused me about this particular story though, is. Um, 
I don't know if you've ever sort of like tried to just talking with clenched teeth all yeah. the time. You sound angry all it the does, time. It does, doesn't it? If you yeah. had to shout, like, watch out! Yeah. <laughs> Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece <laughs> was. You, know, you just sound like you're just. Oh. menacing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. keep the big fat person there with this and like, that's yeah. your problem. You sound like you want to fight all the time. I want a pint of milk. <laughs> I want a pint of cheese. <laughs> I'm, I'm, what's the gap again? How big? Two millimetres. I could get a fucking pot pie past that. You just give, blend it, wouldn't you? No, just fucking shove it in. And just keep, keep grinding it against yeah, your teeth. Pushing and pushing. I'll get that pot pie through. <laughs> pot no pie. issues. <laughs> I think if you determined that. The thing is, what about Pringles? Better get them through. Yeah, a bit of wriggling. Through. <laughs> <laughs> you get the angle right. Yeah, yeah that's it. it. There's loads and loads of stuff you can get between yeah. two mil, can't you? Yeah. my nose. Fucking snort it. <laughs> a pot pie. Full kebab. <laughs> so just rolling it up, meat up and bust it up. God almighty. Well, kebab meat would be alright because that's flat. Yeah, yeah. Or ham. Just suck, yeah. Spaghetti. I mean, you could get a full, full joint, your Sunday joint out, really, couldn't you? <laughs> All you have to do is cut it really fit thin. Yeah, wafer thin. Wafer thin meat. <laughs> yeah, so I think he's. He's, he's ways round. I suppose he's going to slow you down, though, isn't it? That fucking full chug of. I think that's the issue, is actually slowing it down because what, what you have to find with people sort of suffering from obesity, they're not sort of. It's not like they're in a fine dining. Mm. It's that thing, that comfort food, sort of like, you know, eight, eight boxes of Mr. Kipling's, all this yeah. sort of stuff, you know, and you just sit and gorge on it. Yeah. But if you, you're right, if it slows you down, it might be the case you actually start to feel full. Yeah, it could be, because maybe someone shrinks a bit and it just goes natural. Yeah. Good idea, at least it's somewhat different. It's somewhat it? different, and also yeah. at the same time, it's not being forced on you. I mean, it might yeah. be the case that the doctor says, right, you need this. Yeah. But you, it's, it's still your choice whether you accept the. the, the device locking your teeth or yeah. not you know it's up to you yeah. so yeah no, it's just another thing out there I think people should you know give it a whirl it might be right for some people it's their choice yeah again yeah, a bit exactly. like bloody Betty and Barney Rubble sort of thing yeah, you know yeah, the Flintstone it's, up to, them, it's yeah. up to them to give people a at bit least of they're not having to gain weight to get to gastric band or whatever yeah stuff. That's, it's a solution now we need to of course it is yeah and yeah. it's the thing is now, I mean, when I was a kid, you didn't really see fat people about. It used to be yeah. a, a, like a, a joke thing, you know, so, oh, like the Americans are fat, they like to eat lots of things. Yeah. And then somebody, I remember actually somebody saying, oh, it'll happen here. Oh, oh, don't you worry, yeah. it'll happen here with that. And I said, yeah. no, it won't. You just, you just didn't see fat people. Yeah. Next thing, there's loads of fat people about. It feels like Sears the Rise of McDonald's. And, well, yeah, you know, of like course, it's not. I, I'm, I'm, I totally stick up for, the, for people who, who are overweight. Because the convenience of the food and yeah. also what's in it. Yeah, yeah. It's even like bread. Yeah. I mean, bread is so fattening now, yeah. it's changed. It's not like it once was. And yeah. it, it's also, as well, it's cheap food is really bad for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's so when true. people are a bit poor, all they, all they can afford is turkey twizzlers and, yeah. a, and a, a sliced white loaf. Yeah. It's going to get you fat. Mm. So it's not their fault, you know, it needs. Mm. But so maybe this would be, be a decent little thing, keep people's teeth locked. And again, I think supermarkets, are getting, you know, they should look into it a lot, you know, what they do, prices and what the choice is healthy. And oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. temptations, you go in there, it's temptation crazy. Oh, it? It, it really is. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's just a bit too much. But, you know, so hopefully, hopefully there'll be a few people there get themselves down to a healthy weight just by mm. locking, them, locking their mouths shut. <laughs> <laughs> Umarel means Umarel. It's spelled U M A R E L L. Umarel. 
like some stone or something like that. It sounds like some, I don't know, some opal fucking stone. <laughs> it does sound something like that. Yeah. It's like a mineral or something. Yeah. But, but what it is, I just found this just fascinating. The Umarel is the revisitation of the Bolognese dialect word Umarel. It's a term in the Italo-Romance variety of Bologna. Right, so yeah. it's part of the Bologna. It's the Italian language, but it's of a dialect of Bologna, referring specifically to men of retirement age who pass the time watching construction sites. Ooh, that's a proper word. Especially roadworks, stereotypically with hands clasped behind their backs, offering unwanted advice. (laughs) 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 Now, you just have a look at this. Oh, God. Oh, wow, yeah, hands behind backs. Look, is that a statue of one? Yeah, I think so. I think you can buy one. Look at that. <laughs> is it a pretty... You can have it watching you work a little toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really cool, because they're out there, aren't they? They've had other jobs when they just they just turn up. No, you shouldn't be doing it like that. Yeah. You realise it should be that way around. And just, yeah, oh, it's just, just people who want to just dip in and yeah, retire, yeah. retire, retire. Because women don't do it. Yeah. Why yeah. have you seen that? It was, was a case, I used to live on a street where whenever I went out to do some gardening, the woman from over the road would come across and tell me I'm doing it all wrong and you should do it like this and I can oh. borrow this till to do it properly and blah. Oh. And eventually you just had to tell them, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Great relationship there. <laughs> oh. just, just, you know me, I'm mean, a pretty, pretty patient person. Yeah, but you want know something yeah. really gets me going. Yes, yeah, and you yeah. just sort of think, right, that's it, I've had enough, yeah. fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I have to fight a grandson and stuff. <laughs> oh, jeez. So in 2015, the city of Riccioni, approximately 130, 130 kilometres southeast of Bologna, allocated an €11,000 budget to pay a wage of Umarels to oversee work sites in the city. <laughs> Counting the number of trucks in and out to ensure materials were delivered and removed according to the receipts and guarding against theft when the site was otherwise unattended. Weird. So they were literally, yep, I'll stand there all night with my hands clasped. That's it, you know. And it's like... Uh, <laughs> use them as an army? That's really good. He's like, can't yeah. get rid of them, so you... You're going to have to use them, yeah, that's it. The town of San Lazzaro di Savina, right, um, about six kilometres to the south of Bologna, awarded the Umorel of the Year prize to a local resident, Franco Bonini. I know what he had to do to, to earn it. Do you just have to look the part and then just enjoy and do it more than anybody else? Uh, I'd just be the biggest pain in the arse, you know what I mean? That everybody, oh, have you met him? Oh, he's awful. That's it. But it's like, um, in 2016, the local cultural association, Sosedi Solo a Bologna, it's, because it only happens in Bologna, released the Umarel card as a fundraiser for continued restoration to the San Petronio Church. Separately, a smartphone app called Umarels <laughs> was released that tracked the location of, of ongoing roadworks and construction <laughs> sites. <laughs> I had nowhere to go. <laughs> I'll just log on today, so we'll try somewhere new. Yeah. <laughs> So the fast food restaurant uh, Burger King uh, hired several Umarels as part of a social media marketing campaign promoting its increased presence in the country. God. So he's just like... I love that he's like really known and really laughed about, really part of the culture. <laughs> I mean, there's no word for it. That's it, there's a natural word for it, you know, but it's like, it always used to be, because to be honest, like, 
you know, it's one of those people who likes to sort of like get, you know, and we know, we all know Greta likes to talk to workmen who come around the house and stuff like that, don't you, Greta? <laughs> <laughs> but could that make you an Umarel? <laughs> and you see our granddad, um, not Cooney, the other one, right? Who, but yeah. he, he was... Oh, he were a champ at it, wasn't he? He were a right one for stuff like that. His favourite lorries. was lorries. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's all these people with lorries, and they don't like, like to reverse a lorry, right? And he couldn't wait to get behind a lorry and give them like a about, bit, yeah. Yeah, whistle this back here. <laughs> he's, a of times he's nearly been run over. <laughs> <laughs> On purpose. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> just getting in bloody road. It <laughs> turned into umoral. So he was an umoral, really, because wow. yeah, he was sort of like doing that kind of thing. Do you think you've got any traits? What would you? What would stop you? You know what I mean? You think, wait a minute, I know what I'm doing here. Do you, oh, right, do you think I've got a, a, a potential umoral in yeah, me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have, actually, you know what I mean? It's, it's not that, I'm not that kind of guy you just stand and watch... You know. I think if, if I were walking along and someone would do, you know, like a young lad who doing, you know, the light on a lamp post or something, I'd be get a bit twitchy, you know, about lights, you know, changing the lighthouse, oh, light, you know, right. I'd be a bit like, do that wrong. You gloves on. You could get some fingerprints on that lad. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I have. I think I just, I, I'm at that, I'm that position to say, they'll no, just let people do it. Yeah, you know, get a weird job. Like, you know. But then again, it's like when I did that brewing course, everybody likes to look through windows and doors and stuff. Yeah. Oh, everyone likes to watch you brewing. Oh, yeah, that's getting, a bit of a weird thing. Dark arts, or aren't they? Yeah, that's Imagine it. Imagine if a lot turned up and started watching his ear. Terrible, like wouldn't that. it? I would have to put his pants on, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, let's not have any umorels come around, you know. Pushing in the sea, though, couldn't we have it? Pushing in the sea, go on! It's like old guys in flat caps and cardigans with hands behind the back. You know? Flopping up rocks. And I wonder what they get out of it. Just entertainment, innit? And a bit of ego, doesn't it? Maybe so, yeah, because that must be annoying if you're sat at your work and you've got yeah. this old guy going, You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Oh, I, Don't you know, do it like that. Yeah. You're going to do, do it wrong, and I like it when somebody's watching. I you. do, I'm really bad so at it. So I think Umarels are dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad luck. Yeah, so but yeah. I, I've noticed what they've done as well now. This is why they put windows in. You know, when they put the big boards up for construction sites, uh-huh. put windows in them now. <gasps> to stop them climbing over or something. Yeah, because just to give them a little bit of a view so they can stand there at these little windows yeah. watching. <laughs> oh, no. things, yeah. Go pub or something. Yeah, so yeah, do something about it. There's more yeah. to be done than just standing. If you're standing around just watching other people work you've got too much time on your hands it's always like you know they have the inner city chess uh, big chess boards and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. There, you know if you're really old and really lonely so that's what i do just go play chess i think i, I would as well i mean i know yeah. the uh, the walled city of lucca uh, in the sense of the center of tuscany it's, oh, it's, it's yeah. amazing one of my favorite places on earth is, is yeah. lucca great food yeah really really good food it's delicious great wines in the have you been well. there yeah yeah i didn't know you've been there. yeah it's, you've been there about a bit like uh, not really <laughs> i've been about five places <laughs> <laughs> I just like talking about them. <laughs> well, it's great because not, you're not allowed any cars in the city. Right. Yeah. You know, so everyone sort of cycles around or just goes around That's like cool. that. But all, all the all the uh, all the roads are all cobbled and that. You nice. know? And they have a lovely big central piazza. Yeah. Where um, opera singers can perform because the acoustics are perfect for wow, singing. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful, really, really nice. But the wall is more than just a wall. It is absolutely massive, yeah. and it must be maybe. I don't know, I'd imagine sort of 50 or 60 feet high. God. But it's probably about sort of like almost as wide as wow. the wall. You can yeah. you can drive cars on top of it. It's so Jesus. it's so big. And the, uh, on top of the walls, these trees all planted, lovely big <laughs> plain trees and stuff all planted all up there, right? But they have these big concrete blocks. Yeah. And these concrete blocks are all over the place up on this wall, right? Under the shade of these lovely trees. Yeah. And they just have built in um 
chessboards on him. Oh, so, yeah. And then you just see the old guy who's sort of like trundling up on his bike, yeah. gets off, parks it up there, lights a little cigarette, right? Yeah, gets his bottle yeah. of red wine out, nice. sits down and just start playing chess that's, with his mates. That's what you want, mate. That's, that's really the way good. to do it. Yeah. You don't want to be, but the thing is, I, I like to watch a chess game. Mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah and how do we stand when we're watching a <gasps> chess game? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a game, doesn't it? Oh, don't want to put your bishop there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my bishop where I fucking want to play. something which I've just only fairly recently stumbled across right and it is freaky uh -huh. really weird is this right Good. I like the freaky stuff so this is 50 year old Alistair Beckham was a successful British aerospace projects engineer his speciality was designing computer software for sophisticated naval defense systems like hundreds of other British scientists he was working on a pilot program of America's strategic defense initiative Better known as Star Wars, yeah. right? So Reagan era, yeah, the Reagan era yeah. of Star Wars, right? And it was a lazy, sunny Sunday afternoon in August of 1988. And after driving his wife to work, Beckham walked through his garden to a musty backyard tool shed and sat down on a box next to the door. And he wrapped bare wires around his chest, attached them to an electrical outlet, put a handkerchief in his mouth. And he pulled the switch. Oh, Jesus. Exactly. Oh, what a way to kill yourself. And with his death, Beckham's name was added to a growing list of British scientists who've died or disappeared under mysterious circumstances since 1982. Each was a skilled expert in computers, and each was working on a highly classified project for the American Star Wars program. Mm, suicide or suicided. That's it. So none had apparent motive for killing themselves, right? Yeah. The British government contends that all the deaths are a matter of coincidence. The British press just blames stress, they're stressed out so they've yeah. killed themselves, right? Others allude to an ongoing fraud investigation involving the nation's leading defence contractor, but relatives left behind don't know what to think, right? So Mary Beckham, right, is uh, Alistair's widow, says there weren't any women involved, there weren't any men involved. It's mm. not like he was having an affair or anything oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. And we had a very good relationship, and we just don't know why he did it, if he did it. Mm. And I don't believe that he did do it. He wouldn't go out to the shed. There had to be something. So the string of unexplained deaths can be traced back to March 1982, when an Essex University computer scientist, Dr Keith Bowden, died in a car wreck on his way home from a London social function. Authorities claim Bowden was drunk. His wife and friends say otherwise. Bowden, 45, was a whiz with supercomputers and computer-controlled aircraft. So this is 1982, remember? Oh, so you know He was the co-founder of the Department of Computer Sciences at Essex and had worked for one of the major Star Wars contractors in England. So one night, Bowden's immaculately maintained rover careened across a four-lane highway and plunged off a bridge down an embankment into an abandoned railway yard, and Bowden was found dead at the scene. 
and during the inquest, police testified that Bowden's blood alcohol level had exceeded the legal limit and that he'd been driving too fast, and his death was ruled accidental. But wife Hilary Bowden and her lawyer suspect a cover-up. Friends he'd supposedly spent the evening with denied that Bowden had been drinking. Mm. And then there was a condition of Bowden's car. My solicitor instructed an accidental specialist to examine the automobile, Mrs. Bowden explains. And somebody had taken the wheels off and put others on that were old and worn. Jesus. At the inquest, it was not allowed to be brought up, but someone asked <laughs> if the car was in sound condition, and the answer was yes. So they've got time to change the wheels, they've got time to tip vodka ball down him or inject him. <coughs> That's it, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it might be at the inquest, at the autopsy, they're just told what to say. But yeah, they, might have, they, might have, they could have just poured alcohol down him. It could have been the case that these tyres were sort of set in a particular way that you know they were just ready to, ready to go at any yeah, time. Yeah. You know, you just touch the brake and you're off. You know, it's coincidence off a bridge or down an embankment, yeah. off, off a cliff. <laughs> well, it used to be. I don't know if you remember seeing a uh, an advert when we were kids. It was like messing messing around with tyres, mixing up your tyres because there was different types. There's cross ply and radial tyres. Oh, right. So it always you say never mix cross ply and radial tyres because it just throws a, makes the car like a death trap kind wow. of thing, right? So maybe that's what they did. Maybe they put yeah. long sort of tyres on the things. But Hillary was in a state of shock, that's his wife, right? yeah. so she never protested the, uh, the published verdict, but she remains convinced that someone tampered with her husband's car, and she says, it certainly looks like foul play. So four years later, the British press finally added Bowden's case to its growing dossier of mm. you know, missing kill scientists. You know, First, there appeared to be two inter- interconnected deaths, then six, then twelve, oh, God. and suddenly... There was 22 of them. Coincidence? I don't think so, right? Take 37-year-old David Sands, a senior scientist at Eason's, working on a highly sensitive computer-controlled satellite radar system. In March 1987, Sands made a U-turn on his way to work and rammed his car into the brick wall of a vacant restaurant. His trunk was loaded with full gasoline cans and the car exploded on impact. Oh, come on. Yeah, you're going to say, oh, I'm sick of going to a petrol station. I'll keep it all in my boot. That's it. So given the incongruities of the, uh, of the accident and the lack of a suicide motive, the coroner refused to rule out the possibility of foul play. Good. But the information was leaked to the press that suggested that Sands had been under tremendous, tremendous emotional strain. So what they're trying to do already, somebody's leaked, is they're really stressed out, they're yeah, really yeah. stressed, you know what I mean? There's a word for that though, it's not disinformation, but we call like diluting. Yeah, well I think enough. disinformation is the, is the yeah. thing, you know what I mean? It's like adding, you know, it's muddying the waters, isn't it, That's you know? It, yeah. But the wave of suspicious fatalities in the ultra-secret world of sophisticated weaponry has not gone unnoticed by the US government. So late last autumn, this is a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, an American embassy in London publicly requested a full investigation by the, by the MOD, Ministry of Defence. Mm-hmm. So members of British Parliament, such as Labour MP Doug Hoyle, co-president of the Manufacturing Science and Finance Union, had been making similar requests for more than two years, but the Thatcher government has refused to, had refused to launch any sort of inquiry. So the, Ameri- the Americans are interested, they're asking questions because of the, the, obviously they're interested because it's their p- programme and yeah, their scientists yeah. that are helping them, you know. But yeah, so the Americans were sort of wanting to look into this as well, but especially at the point when the Sunday Times actually published a list of 12 mysterious deaths. Mm-hmm. So they looked into it then and they thought, yeah. oh, this, this, is, this is a bit stinky, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
but the English sort of like intelligence services, they're the ones who are sort of saying, oh, no, everything's fine, you know, maybe it seems to be a bit weird. You know? yeah. well, what they're worried about, the CIA, um, sort of, they're thinking the CIA suspects security leaks and that the Star Wars secrets were being sold to the Russians. Wow. So I think that could have been like a bit of a thing that was going on, you know. Yeah. But they're all English, all the list was English people working on the Star Wars programme, right? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it, yeah, they're all. You can go. So an NBC News London correspondent, Henry Champ, puts it like this. He says, in the world of espionage, there is a saying, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. Yeah. So yeah. which I, I'm, I'm inclined to sort of believe there, really. Definitely. I mean, so there's a tremendous amount at stake, you see, because in, in return for the Thatcher government's early support of the Star Wars programme, the Reagan administration promised a number of extremely lucrative contracts to the British uh, defence industry. So hundreds of millions of US dollars in the struggling British economy can be a li little afford to be lost, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they did a deal, you know what I mean? If you help us with Star Wars, we can, you know, we can sort of get you, get you these contracts, yeah. which, you know, it's a bit, bit stinks, doesn't it? Uh -huh. So two deaths sort of like uh, brought things to sort of like started to bring things to light right, in the in the autumn of 1986. Within weeks of each other, two London-based Marconi scientists were found dead 100 miles away in Bristol. Both were involved in creating software for a huge computerized Star Wars simulator, the hub of Marconi's SDI program. Both had been working on the simulator just hours before their death. Like the others, neither had any apparent reason to kill himself. So Vimal Dajibai was a 24-year-old electronics graduate who worked at Marconi Underwater Systems in Croxley Green. In August 1986, his crumpled body was found lying on the pavement 240 feet below the Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol. An inquest was unable to determine whether Dajibai had been pushed off the bridge or whether he had jumped. There had been no witnesses. The verdict was left open, yet authorities did their best to pin his death on suicide. Police testified that Dajibai had been suffering from depression, something that his family and friends flatly denied. They just have the coppers know that That's it. know him, do they? So police also claimed that the deceased had been drinking with a friend, Hayat Shah, shortly before his death, and that a bottle of wine and two used paper cups had been found in his car. Yet forensic tests were never done on the auto, and those who knew Vimal, including Shah, Say so he had never taken a drink of alcohol in his life. This is so saucy, isn't it? Yeah. A little sloppy. Investigating journalists found discrepancies in other evidence. A police report noted a puncture mark on Dajibai's left buttock after his fall from the bridge. <laughs> Explains Tony Collins, who, who brought the story for Britain's uh, computer magazine, or computer news magazine. Apparently this was his reason his funeral was halted seconds before the cremation was to take place. Members of the family were told that the body was to be taken away for a second post-mortem to be done by a top home office pathologist, and that's not normal. Then a few months later, police held a press conference and announced that it hadn't been a puncture mark after all, that it was a wound caused by a bone fragment. Hmm, near bone. A puncture wound to a bone, I mean, a bone fragment, that's, that's a group of crude injuries, that isn't it, you know. I'm going to fly out and then you sit on it. No, that's it, you know. And officials didn't fare any better with the second Bristol fatality. Police virtually tripped over themselves to come up with a motive for the apparent and unusually violent suicide of Ashad Sharif. Sharif was a 26-year-old computer analyst who was worked at the Marconi Defence Systems headquarters in Stanmark, Middlesex. Now get this. On October the 28th, 1986, 
he allegedly drove to a public park not far from where Dajibaya died. He tied one end of a nylon cord around a tree and tied the other around his neck. Then he got back into his Audi 80 automatic, stepped on the gas and sped off, decapitating himself. Oh, man, it's like Ali Orman or something, isn't Exactly. Oof. Marconi initially claimed Sharif was only a junior employee and they had nothing to do with Star Wars. Co-workers stated otherwise. At the time of his death, Sharif was apparently about to be promoted. Also, Ashad reportedly worked for a time in the Vimal Dajibai section, so they worked together, these guys. The inquest determined that Sharif's death was a suicide. Investigating officers maintained that the man had killed himself because he'd been jilted by an alleged lover. Ashad hadn't seen the, the woman in three years. <laughs> God, so just the, really? Just, yeah. Police are well involved in this. That's it. They're, just, they're just, just flailing around for something. Yeah. They've got something in the rear from above, I was yeah, going to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? You Cover know, up. Yeah, that's it. Make it disappear. But then eventually they turned around and said, like, no, this isn't likely. They poo pooed it, poured cold water in, mm. the police kind of looked a bit stupid, right? So then the police suddenly switched the story. They began to say that Sharif had been deeply in love with the woman he was engaged to and that he decapitated himself because another woman was pressuring him to call for the marriage. Authorities claimed to have a taped message in Sharif's car tantamount to a suicide note. On it, officers said, he had admitted to having had an affair, thus bringing shame on his family. And family members who've heard the tape said it actually gave no indication of why Sharif might want to kill himself. So there might have been a tape. There seems to be some sort of tape is left. Well, they've grabbed at some, and they finally pieced together some bullshit bit to add to it, haven't they? That's it. You know what I mean? I don't think it's you know, and that's the act of a very desperate man, isn't it? You know, I mean that kind of. Plus, I bet if they're topping them like that, they're probably tape recording the whole life. So getting a tape recording is not hard, is it? You know, when you've got piles of it. No, that's it. You get one that sounds slightly sus, so you can bend it into that story. Yeah, but what they're thinking is what might have been happening was that. uh, um, they think it might have been actually like Marconi were actually doing it up to something themselves, I think. Yeah. That's what could have been, that might have been defrauding the government of millions. Wow. Which is quite easy to do with one of these mysterious programmes. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like loads it's of money's pouring in. Yeah, yeah, that's black, it. Black op money or whatever. That's yeah. it, that's it, you know. Listen, if Marconi was systematically defrauding the government for millions of pounds each year, perhaps an employee stumbled upon incriminating evidence and had to be done away with. It would be easy enough to make it look like an accident. So consider the peculiar death of Peter Peepel, found dead beneath his car in the garage of his Oxfordshire home. Peepel, 46, worked for the Royal Military College of Science, a world authority on communications technology, electronic surveillance and target detection. Peepel was an expert at using computers to process signals emitted by metals, and his work reportedly included testing titanium for its resistance. So on the night of the 22nd of February 1987, Peepel spent an enjoyable evening with, out with his wife, Maureen, and their friends. And when they returned home, Maureen went to, straight to bed, leaving Peter to put the car away. And when Maureen woke up in the next morning, she discovered that Peter had not, be, had not come to bed. She went looking for him, and when she reached the garage, she noticed the door was closed, yet she could hear the car's engine running. She found her husband lying on his back beneath the car, his mouth directly below the tailpipe. She pulled him into the open air, but he was already dead. So if you're 
So initially, Maura thought that her husband's death was an accident. She presumed he'd gotten under the car to investigate a knocking he'd heard while driving home the night before and had gotten stuck. But the light fixture in the garage was broken and Peter hadn't been carrying a torch. So you're going to crawl under your car and it's pitch black. Well, that, that's what it comes down to. So police had their own suspicions. A constable the same height and weight as Peter Peepal found it impossible to crawl under the car when the garage door was closed. He also found it impossible to close the door once he was under the car. Yeah, so, <clears throat> just giving it well away, innit? That's the thing. You sort of think to yourself, well, what on earth is going on here? What is going Assassination on? Assassination squad yeah. out there. So what we've got is, here is a dossier of the deaths, wow. right? The list of the deaths here. So Keith Bowden, the computer scientist, he's the one whose car pl- plunged off the bridge, right? Yeah. And it was listed as an accident. So Le- Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Godley, a defence expert, head of work study at your Royal Military College of Science again, he just disappeared, right? His father bequeathed him more than sixty thousand dollars, right, with a proviso that he claims it to uh, that he claim it to be nineteen eighty seven, and he never showed up, and it's presumed dead. So this guy just disappeared, mm. missing off the face of the earth, right? Roger Hill, forty nine, a radar designer and draftsman at Marconi. Uh, he alleged in nineteen March nineteen eighty five, he allegedly killed himself with a shotgun at the family home. Jesus. Jonathan Walsh, digital communications expert assigned to British Telecom secret Marklesham Heath research facility, right? In November 1985, Walsh allegedly fell from his hotel room while working on a British telecom project in Abidjan, Ivory Coast. <laughs> did a rod hole, did I doubt it? Well, he'd already expressed a fear for his life. Right? <sighs> so we know about Vimal Dajibai, who, uh, who jumped off the bridge you yeah, know, in, yeah. in Bristol. And Ashad Sharif, who's decapitated himself with his car, with his Audi, you know. <sighs> Richard Pugh, computer consultant for the Ministry of Den- Defence, in uh, January 1987, Pugh was found dead. Get this now, wrapped head to toe in rope that was tied four times around his neck. The coroner listed his death as an accident due to a sexual experiment gone awry. Oh, God. You know? John Britton, uh, Ministry of, De- of Defence tanks batteries expert, right, at the Royal Military College of Science again. January 1987, Britain was found dead in his parked car in his garage, engine still running. Verdict, accidental death. Drug overdose, right, for Victor Moore, design engineer Marconi Space Systems. He was just found in February with a, uh, he died of an overdose, right? These people don't take drugs, exactly. do they? You know what I mean? They've gone through every kind of way to go, innit? Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got Peter Peepel now, who was found underneath his car. I like that yeah, one. Yeah. So Edwin Skeels, 43. Mad, uh, uh, a Marconi engineer in February 1987 Skills was found dead in his car a victim of carbon monoxide poisoning a hose led from the exhaust pipe Right, death listed as a suicide mm. David Sands in March 1987 Right, Sands drove a car filled with gasoline into the abandoned cafe that blew up <laughs> Stuart Gooding 23 postgraduate research Right, he was at the again Royal Military of College of Science right he died in a mysterious car wreck in Cyprus while the college was holding military exercises on the island. Accidental death. Mm. Uh, George Kuntis, right, his BMW plunged into the Mersey River and his death was listed as misadventure. Mark Wisner, 24, software engineer at the MOD, um, and he was with the experimental um, station of combat aircraft in 1987, April. Wisner was found dead in his home with a plastic bag over his head. 
at the inquest, his death was ruled an accident due to an ex a sexual experiment gone awry. Oh, Again. Yeah. Again, we've got another one, Michael Baker. Uh, his car crashed through a road barrier, killing him, right? They started getting lazy now, aren't they? They're doubling up, you know what I mean? Where's it dying? That's the thing, yeah, that's misadventure. But the only one that is one from heart attack, Frank Jennings, right, a, a weapons engineer, right? He was 60 years old and he just allegedly dropped out of a heart attack. But no inquest was held. Mm. So there was no autopsy, there was nothing like that that didn't look into it. We were just like, oh, his ticker's yeah. packed in. Yeah. Now, this is all This is all happening in 1988 here. This is when it starts going a bit mad, right? There's a mad flurry of them. Yeah. Because um, Russell Smith, 23, right, uh, the Atomic Energy Research Establishment, halfway down a cliff in Cornwall, his body was found, right? Suicide was the verdict. Trevor Knight, 52, computer engineer, and he's found dead in his car, asphyxiated by fume from a hose attached to his tailpipe. Yet again, another yeah, tailpipe. Yeah. yeah. John Ferry, 60, assistant marketing director for Marconi. In August 1988, Ferry was found dead in a company-owned apartment. The strip leads of an electrical cord in his mouth. Oh God! You it, wouldn't do that. No. The, and this was so. This was in the August, in all, and that's the one where he's killed himself so biting into electrical cords, oh. right? And then that same month is when Alistair Beckham went into his garden shed, wrapped himself in bare wires, and pulled the switch. Oh. Same month. And it's obviously the same suicide killer doing it. That's it. And Andrew Andrew Hall, thirty three, engineering manager at British Aerospace, September nineteen eighty eight, found dead in his car asphyxiated by fumes from a hose that was attached to the tailpipe. Friends said he was well-liked and had everything to live for. Verdict, suicide. And this is just about the Phantom Menace then, Star Wars. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't stand the films for some shit. <laughs> they got rid of all of them. But to me, it's glaringly obvious. It's, it's either like the Pharaoh bit, you know what I mean, where the, you've finished your project and you don't ever... It needs to... The people who made it need to die. The secrets yeah. need to die with them. Or there's a mole, and they knew it were an English person. They said, right, we are going to get them all. Even if Even we have to wipe out everybody. Yeah. Everybody involved, all the English. And England's like, oh, yes, just don't get rid of the contract, will you? No, yeah, no, we'll keep it. the contract, but we're going to fucking do with the, you know, anybody who, who could be the, the mole. Well, one thing we'll have to cover at some point as well is the amount of Russian agents that have died in London. Mm, um, yeah. There's people being just literally... There was one guy who was found impaled on his iron fence outside of his window. People said he jumped, right? Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, that, yeah that's... Didn't it link to the um, suitcase, man? Yeah, well, do you know, funny enough, actually, that's uh, that's another one we're going to cover, is that? Yeah, yeah. You know, because actually that's... Remember on, that, I've been live and been all over it, thinking yeah. you do. Well, they're looking at it again, it's been re-examined re again now, yeah. so we will cover that on a future episode of yeah. Crack and Curve. But, yeah. you know, but I mean, this here... The problem is with this particular case, we'll you'll never get to the bottom of it yeah, because yeah. the police are so obviously deeply, deeply involved in it. Yeah. You know, things got burnt. You know, yeah. documentation, reasons, people who knew died. Well, th this this particular one I've got here because it was such a good piece. It's a weird one from the net. It was like a link to a link to a link, and just this page yeah, pops up. Wow. So I'm reading from this page. The website, if you wanted to go look at it yourself for reference, it was it's really odd. It's uh, obviously the usual HTTP, mm. but it says www.fiu.edu, edu, you know, uh, yeah. forward slash dash Mizrax, which is M-I-Z-R-A-C-H-S, forward slash S-D-I deaths at Hotmail. 
So this weird little link sort of popped up. Someone popped knows, up. someone's documented it. You can't raise your head about what because you'll just get fucking topped yourself. That's even it, now, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, we're yeah, in, I We're so. in danger saying these. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But I mean, this is there, all those deaths. Not, but it's not just them, it's the families as well. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. working on these sort of top yeah. secret things. In any, in a weird way, it's all happening on that. Do you know who's killing them all? James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> he's so. There's some the greasy James Mar- Mar- Bond. Yeah. The, the Mar- well, it could be the case of the Marconi agent, so yeah. maybe they are working on an evil project. The Star Wars project is a James James Bond project, exactly. something, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Weirdly enough, it kind of is because that's what Moonraker was. Yeah, yeah. Moonraker, uh, the original Moonraker yeah. in the books yeah. was a rocket that was being put ah, in space right. that, was good, that could kill from space. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically what the Star Wars project was. Yeah, but even there's, there's a lot of our people argue now, they said, wow, all that money on the Star Wars project, it never happened. People believe it did. Some people believe yeah. it did, and there's they're nukes not, up there now. Exactly, they're not going to shout. Of course, there's stuff like that there, but I think it did work at them days because yeah. America went through a very healthy heyday of domination, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. Know. Um, but it makes me physically want to tear the fucking world apart. Stuff like that. The, the David Kelly one got me in the worst, you know what I mean? Is it. Oh, I, do, I can't remember. Was it David Kelly? Yeah, I, I know the one you mean. I, uh, I can't remember what, what is. Weapons of mass destructions in Iraq, wasn't it? You know yeah, I mean? that's it, yeah. They took him up that hill and suicided him, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, he's disgusting. And we all know it, they did it, the government yeah. did it, and we don't. We will we cover that one because it's, it's strange it's a long time ago for some people now. Yeah, so we'll, we'll yeah, cover that, yeah. yeah. And so, it's just brushed underneath, you know what I mean? That one really upset me because I was reading it thinking, you what? Yeah, he's such a nice guy. It. And the thing is, as well, they're, they're just trying to drag his name through the dirt, aren't yeah, they, as well? Yeah, you know? And yeah. I thought, come on, mate, not only have you killed him, you're bloody, you know, you're sullying his, his good name, name you know? Absolutely vile. Yeah. Absolutely. I could burn the world with stuff like that, and it really could. It's just so not. if uh, if either Benny or I are found sort of like gassed in a car somewhere, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or decapitated by a by a speeding robot, exactly. <laughs> you know, I want to live for my cheese, man. I've yeah. got fucking seven containers of cheese that are going to be in my freezer soon. You, you will not. You know, that's that's the thing. So we'll know Benny will never die until <laughs> later. <at least>, <laughs> Check the cheese, guys. <laughs> that's it. Because twenty for twenty one, the boy had died. Yeah. Cheese consumption. Too much nacho. Kid. Not that time already. It's that time already, I'm afraid. Oh, you know we've got I mean? one more. We've always got time for one more. Oh, you're a good lad. And if you remember last time, we talked about that strange flying entity, didn't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like natural felt sort really of, you know. good with that. Well, I've got another one here, which I've heard a few times over the years, right? But it's just fascinated me, this. Yeah. It's a little bit of a long one, is this? But, you know, well, we're not going we've anywhere. We've got time. Got a bit of time, right? So this is the story, right, of the stick boy. Have you heard of this one? No. Right. Strap in. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. And this is as the account as he put it. Now I've heard there's a, there's a written account. I actually did want to try and find and download the actual verbal account which he yeah. he, he does narrate. But I haven't had a chance to get in touch with him to see if I can use it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But this is his written account. Right. Who? And this is a guy called Rod Lab, and he's a writer. So L A B B E, 
he's a he's an excellent orator as well. He really yeah. reads it well, yeah. you know. But and this is his personal account of this. This is a true story, and it happened to me. The sweltering August of 1960. I was seven and about to go into my second grade. We lived atop Franklin Street Hill back then, in Waterville, Maine. Number, uh, house number 40, the last house on the left. A tidy Cape Cod painted orange with white trim. Directly across from us resided my absolute best friends, Sue, Sally and Peggy McGowan. Their house too was a beautiful cape, grey and white, with, and it was only old by a few years. Our street, which was unfinished to this day, rose up from the hill and then just fell off into a wooded gully. Beyond were swaying trees, seemingly stretching for miles, pines, birches, oaks, elms and ash. And below, winding through the green and mysterious gully, was a stream that grew larger during early spring, when the snow melted. And I used to love playing down there, sending shoebox boats off to their doom. Once we found an old Tarzan swing that snapped the first time we used it. The McGowans knew everything about the gully, its surrounding woods and endless fields behind my house. And we did often go out into the fields and pick every wild berry imaginable, collect bouquets of black-eyed Susans, devil's paintbrush and buttercups, or just explore. One thing they never told me about happened one hot August day in 1960. That's when I saw the stick boy. I'd just eaten lunch and was looking for adventure, so I ran across the street and up their driveway. Whenever I'd visited, I'd go round to the back and knock on the kitchen door. Mrs McGowan answered and said the girls were taking a nap after lunch and I could come back in an hour. And they asked if it was okay if I played on their swing set for a while, and she gave me permission. Off I went to swing on what I considered an almost space-age device. It was glitzy with shiny metal, a great slide, balance rings, a teeter-totter and three child-sized swings. But after picking up enough speed to actually fly, I got tired of doing it alone. And my only option was to go back home. And then I noticed four small folding chairs lined up against the edge of the woods, facing their house and upstairs bedroom window. Now let me explain a bit about the woods on that side of the street. From my bedroom window I could clearly see the deep gully and stream, but all the girls could see from theirs was a flat forest land, a thinnest closer to the yard, and the gully, for whatever reason, meandered further back. And a notion hit me. Maybe I could sit in one of those chairs and mentally will Sue, Sally and Peggy to cut their nap time short. So I chose the middle chair and sat down gazing up at their second floor window. And I used to do that as a kid sometimes. Yeah, sort of try psychically try and do yeah, something, yeah, you know. Yeah. The day was dry and oppressive. The kind of summery day where everything's still. A mosquito buzzed dangerously near to me and I slapped it away. Far off in the distance, a lawnmower roared and dogs were barking. But mostly, it was quiet. As I sat thinking little boy thoughts... I heard a squirrel jumping from treeland to treeland. The sound came in stops and starts, and suddenly a sense of displacement and unease, of genuine dread, overwhelmed me. Turn! my mind shrieked. Look! I turned and I looked. The woods were bright green and scarlet and brown, yellow leaves lazily funneled down, catching sunlight, twirling dancing. Nothing unusual. Until I saw him. 
approximately 15 feet away, a strange boy peeking at me from around an oak. Our eyes met and locked. Instantly mental photographs stamped indelible images. Sparse black hair, blood encrusted lips, a penetrating determined expression that twisted slowly into a smile of recognition and sticks growing out of his wasted face, tiny gnarled branches clicking, intertwining, undulating like Medusa's snakes. In indeterminate seconds I knew that was no squirrel I'd heard. He'd been stealthily creeping forward towards me through the rotten logs and dead leaves from somewhere and nowhere and everywhere. If I hadn't turned, if I hadn't... Run! Survival instincts took hold and I roast home into the yard, our yard, our kitchen, bounding up to my room, safe from stick boys and whatever other nameless horrors prowled the storybook forest. Whoa! Put the brakes on, mister! Is this house on fire? Laughed Mum. She'd been stripping the beds and doing laundry, normal everyday chores, unaware that outside, mere yards from the front door, devils roamed. You're whiter than these sheets, she said. Uh, I'm in a hurry, Peggy and me are trading Viewmaster reels. Take it easy and stop running, you'll give yourself an asthma attack. Uh, but, but, but I like to run, I feel free. Well, you don't feel so free at the doctor's office. Remember our talk, Ronnie, don't give away your toys. The McGowans are plenty, their grandfather's rich. Oh, we're just trading old stuff, Ma, nothing new, don't worry. Are you hungry? How's deviled ham and chips and soda sound? Oh, good, I am hungry. Two big sandwiches, please. <laughs> so later I told the McGowans what I'd seen. How everything had gone muddy and sludgy. And being curious souls, they wanted to check out this phenomenon for themselves. And I half-heartedly went along, hedging my bets that there was safety in numbers. And Sally peered intently at the oak tree. Hmm. Are you sure it wasn't just some stupid kid dressed up early for Halloween and wearing a mask? And I replied, it weren't no mask, this was real. Ah, spooky. A stick boy, eh? With sticks growing out of his face. I wonder who... Or what? Sue completed Sally's sentence, and shivers tickled my spine. Then Peggy said, matter-of-factly, A wood sprite, that's what. I've seen pictures of them in books. He wanted to take you to a dark place, Rodney. You're lucky you heard him first, or you'd be far, far away right now. And we all agreed, yes, I was very lucky. And it's hard to believe that this was almost 60 years ago. I've never forgotten what I saw. And whenever I go into the woods, which it isn't often, I feel something watching me. And though I've grown old, the image of a smiling boy with bloody lips flickers through my mind like a scrapbook memory. Is he still out there? And where did he want to take me? Oh, God, the good of them ones are. Oh, he, he can't fight stick boy, can he? He's going to, like, oh. But that's the thing, he's more than the sum of his parts, as it were. He's mm -hmm. made of sticks and stuff, but he's obviously something from wherever, something unusual. And, and I, I've heard this account from this, the same guy. 
60 year old story there's no reason to keep repeating this story yeah, over and over yeah. again and so on and hey this is what I saw you know yeah. and it's just as I say again a tear in the realm another oh. of these strange creatures which you could almost say it's like a djinn it's like another creature from another realm maybe oh god it's terrifying it's just like it's a boy in that just that smiling blood encrusted lips and oh, sticks no. growing out of his face this is it it's just oh, it's you, you don't make it? stuff like that up do you yeah. you know it's like unless you're feverish or really ill you know you, yeah. you need it's funny though that one when you know you feel it you know yeah. we talked about an Halloween special didn't we your side of that fear in the yeah, world yeah. I mean mine when I didn't even see anything but I knew the fuck were there yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean you know it in your you heart. just know it you just know I'm, it's something's there you think no it's got to go wrong why would you never have it in your life before and then there's witnesses around and you know you just yeah. think Jesus this summer there's some something there in the woods in the, well, in we, the night in the woods in the night there is it's true as that so I think what we're best doing now is we're all locked up in Crack and Cove it's been a rainy all day today aren't oh, it? But, you know, what we need now is some nachos oh I mean I've got the beers chills I've got yeah. these proper jalapeno red and green jalapenos oh, for it oh let's do it our oh, arse is going to suffer tomorrow oh mate <laughs> let the, the, the lamb's throat be cut oh no <laughs> So it just remains me to say a big goodbye from Matt. It's a big goodbye from Benny. Take care, guys. See ya. There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter at Cove Or Instagram at Crack and Cold Pod. Ha ha!